Hi there, and welcome to PodRocket, a web development podcast brought to you by LogRocket. LogRocket helps software teams improve user experience with session replay, error tracking, and product analytics. Try it for free at LogRocket.com today. My name is Paul, and joined with us is Ilian Van Kutsum, and he's here to talk about Astro 4, the big new release with Astro. Ilian is currently working as a community manager over at Astro, so I'm sure we're going to get all the juicy details. Welcome to the show, Ilian. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, really excited. Me too, because Astro has been making a land sweep in the developer community. We've been talking about it here in the podcast on a few episodes, so it's really great to have somebody from the inside right now. We can really <laughs> get into like everything that's come out. I and mean, we have routing, the dev toolbar, uh, internationalization. There, there's so many things that we're going to get into. I don't want to spoil the show. Yeah, we, we shipped so much like all of last year. In 2023, we shipped, uh, I think, three majors. So Three majors in one year. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's a feat. <laughs> I mean, I just listed a few, but for a really brief outline, kind of an elevator pitch, could you give us like some of the top level release notes for Astro 4 so we can just let the listeners know what we're going to be getting into? Yeah, for Astro 4, I think the main features were the Astro Dev Toolbar, which you get now. We launched internationalization support for internationalization routing and translation support. We released the new features for our view transitions APIs. Like we did a lot of stuff. We redesigned the logging, which is probably one of the more subtle ones. We redesigned our documentation to feature Starlight, which we'll probably get into later as well. And we also launched a couple of experimental features like incremental content caching and such. Content caching. Every, everybody has a uh, an opinion about that, especially with the new Next.js releases when they're like very aggressive about content caching. So mm. it's interesting that we have a spectrum out there now with all the different frameworks. So I'm excited to hear. Yeah. The, the good thing is it's, it's still experimental. So we do have time to fine tune things. But yeah, it's impressive to see what we were able to achieve. Like our documentation I was talking about earlier uses Starlight now and we tried it out just to, to have like, what does the incremental caching looks like on our docs? And it was like, I think an 80 percentage gain. Yeah, I think it's worth it for now. Yeah. Well, Iliad, how did you get involved with Astro? Were you just an Astro lover? Were you PRing stuff up? Or what happened? Yeah, it, it's such a long story and I, I won't go into too much detail about it, but I was actually PRing stuff into Astro since, I let me think, I th- think Astro 3.15 or something. Uh, not 3. Point, sorry, 0.15. Like it was really early, it was 20... 2021 or 2020, somewhere around that area. I was still finishing up school. I was studying in uni, doing web development, and I was writing up a big paper about performance tools and on how to build your website. And one of those broader features I was looking through was Jamstack websites. And at that time, there weren't really a lot of options out there. Uh, like Gatsby was one of the bigger ones. You had 11T coming up and you had a couple of, of other ones. And there was like one small tweet I saw, which was basically it was the Astro website and there was nothing on it except for join Discord. That was it. So I joined the Discord, had great talks. Like the the awesome thing at that point was that there was no one in Discord. We were a couple of people hanging out, discussing things. So I immediately felt part of the project, that, that for one. And two, like the philosophy that we had at Astro at that time was so familiar to me, like ship no JavaScript. We we don't need JavaScript that much. So let's leave it behind and only ship it to the stuff that you really need. That was something that really clicked in my mind in a sense. 
And then from there, I just started to contribute. I started using it on my personal website. Then we shipped Major 1, we shipped Major 2, and then I started speaking about Astro. I did a couple of meetups here in my local hometown. Then I got invited to a bigger conference called React Brussels, which is also in Belgium, where I live. I went to speak there and met so many amazing people like Tages and Attila, Josh Goldberg, and we had so many great conversations. And then I I felt so attracted to the idea of working open source that I, like all my free time went to open source, all of it. If I had a couple of minutes to spare, I would go into the Discord and chat with a couple of people because also no-code contributions are contributions to open source. Don't get me wrong there. So I started doing that and then I started PRing stuff into Astro itself, Astro website and all of that stuff. And then this year in August, I got a, a message from Fred saying, hey, Elian, if you want to, we have budget for another person on our team and we would like to have you. Do you want to chat about it? And of course, it's my dream job, to be honest. So I said yes. And that's how I got to be involved with Astro as being an Astro employee. So yeah, I think that's where we are. I like that story because it not only tells us a little bit about you, Ilian, but it also showcases a little bit about Astro itself. Oh, yeah. Like, it's the whole like thing. We don't need any JavaScript. That's that's home base. That's where we're coming from. So The thing where we started, right? You have these awesome websites, but all of them are just basic empty HTMLs, which we have one div element, which says ID app. And then we load all of those that JavaScript. And actually, probably like for more than 80% of that whole page, we don't need any. Those are all static links, all static content. So what if we could actually just ship all of that statically and only hydrate those components that actually need JavaScript. That was kind of the philosophy. It still is. Still, and it's glad to hear we still are. And I'd like to f- focus on Astro 4 and maybe the things that are not still the way they are or things that are different. So for people who, like yourself, you have your website in Astro, you've already built it, it's up there in prod. What are breaking changes, if any, can people expect with Astro 4? And how do they like migrate? Or is there something that people should be looking out to do? Yeah, if we get into migrating, migrating majors and minors in Astro is like the easiest thing ever. Before you had to do it manually, like you had to do the NPM upgrade stuff. And that was a little bit hard in the sense that you had to do install at latest, whatever. We don't ship that much breaking changes. We do deprecate APIs, but you know that in advance, like a major in advance, you'll know which APIs will be deprecated or changed or whatever. We publish very big upgrade guides, which are very clearly put like, in Astro 3, you did this. In Astro 4, this is how you do it. What do I have to change? And then we lay like really there for you. So it's really easy to upgrade. But we also published this package, which is called at astrojs slash upgrade. So if you do npx or pnpm dlx at astrojs upgrade, it will check all your packages and all your dependencies and will upgrade Astro to Astro 4 or well, the latest Astro version and will take care of everything for you. Well, that sounds like a lot of magic. Yeah, it it is. It is. We we have amazing developers. It's insane, like how good they take care of developer experience just by themselves because they want to take care of our developers and don't want to introduce that much hassle to upgrade because we want everyone to get on the latest release because the latest release is always the greatest release. If people don't use the upgrade CLI or maybe they have a mono repo and, and it's a special configuration or something, what are some deprecated APIs or things like that that you might want to turn people's attention to? 
Um, one of the things is, for instance, that we renamed a couple of APIs. Like, for instance, if you were using the internationalization API in, in Astro 3, the latest version of Astro 3 had that as well, then you have to rename that or de-experimentalize it. You have to remove it from the config. So probably all of that is almost always located in just one file, and it's your Astro config file. So it's actually really easy. I've seen people upgrade from Astro 1 to Astro 4 in a couple of minutes without the Astro upgrade command because they didn't know it existed. So I, I, I think that we're actually really good in, in doing upgrade guides and making sure that we take care of our users. We love hearing that because it's not always the case with some of the frameworks out there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. We won't call names, but we all know. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of internationalization, there's new updates for this, specifically with routing. Can you talk to us a little bit about what's new out of the box with that? It's a lot. Actually, we started the support for internationalization because we needed it ourselves. As in, the Astro documentation has, I think by now, if I'm correct, 14 different languages. Not all pages like 100% translated, but like most of them. And we build really janky custom systems for it. And that's actually a reason that both Starlight and internationalization exist, is that we had to fiddle around in our own documentation and we thought, we can do this better. If we bring this to us, what would it look like? And then we started thinking, what do we need? We need redirects, we need translations, we need link handling, all of that. And then we also thought, okay, how can we integrate this in Astro? So then we start looking at that and turns out it was a very highly user requested feature. So then it was almost like, no doubt, we need to ship this. Then we started working on it. And the awesome thing with, with um, internationalization in Astro is that it really takes care of everything for you. Like it's a very easy configurable API. You just set your default language, you set your support languages. If you use content collections, which are a way of authoring content. Uh, you can very easily integrate it with internationalization. So I could have my content collection dynamically change based on the internationalization. Basically, yeah. Change, okay. That's very neat. That's very cool. It, it is really neat. And also one of the cool things I will mention is that if you use SSR with Astro, which is um, usable now, you can actually automatically detect a user language from the browser and it will automatically redirect you to that page translated. So if you... For instance, you are a Russian and you go to a page in English, it will automatically redirect you to a Russian page, which is really neat for us, for instance, in documentation. Like we always send you to the right page. Talk to me a little bit about the documentation. So you mentioned you guys are using Starlight now. I'm personally not familiar. What is Starlight? All right. It's actually very easy definable. Do you know something like Docusaurus? Of course. Yeah. Docusaurus, I know. It's yeah. that? Better, faster, and built upon Astro. So you, one, one of the big advantages that you gain by using Starlight is that you get to use all the Astro goodies inside of a very easy, easy environment. One of the things that we, what was like our main motivation for doing something like Starlight is that we have done docs very good. Like in general, we can say that Astro has terrifically good docs. And everything that we learned about doing and writing those docs, we put into Starlight. So actually, we are giving you a framework which has all these experience from all these docs authors over the last three years of authoring content for Astro into one framework and put out for you. That is what, I, what Astro Starlight is. And it, it's amazing. I was really stunned by it the first time I used it. I'm really happy with how it turned out. I must also disclose it's not on its first major yet. It's still 
I think by now 0.15 and we still have a couple of things to do, but it's actually really stable, really usable. Yeah. And it's also already part of some people's daily stacks. So it, it is really usable. Content collections definitely provide something that you can't really find in other frameworks. That, I mean, I wasn't familiar with Starlight, haven't used it, but I can just imagine writing a docs website based upon those fundamentals must be a magical experience. Yeah, and not just content collection, but also MDX is such a game changer. Like for me, when I first started using MDX, it's so awesome that you can import a React component, for instance, into a Markdown document and then leverage that power to make your docs interactive. I don't know if you've ever visited our tutorials, but we have tutorials and they are interactive. We have quizzes in them and those quizzes are all built in MDX with the power of uh, components imported into them. And if you use Starlet for your own website, you can import those same components and build an own quiz for your own docs. Uh, we have more goodies to get into. Particularly, I'm really interested in the dev toolbar which we, we can get into in a sec. Right before that, though, I just want to remind our listeners that this podcast is brought to you by LogRocket. So for your web application, whatever framework you might be building it, if you want to spend less time debugging and more time just building the app, you can check out LogRocket because it uses AI to find and surface issues that you may not have seen. There's things like heat maps, full session replay across the browser. You do need JavaScript for that, but it's very useful when you're trying to figure out why something in your application is not functioning the way it should. So head over to logrocket.com today and you can try it out for free to not only build your app faster, but make your app faster. So yeah, Ilian, I'd love to talk about the dev toolbar. I, I think these types of features when frameworks come out with them are just like, they're really powerful, even though they might not seem immediately useful. Like I remember when Next.js, like they cleaned up, finally when they cleaned up the error messages to make a little more sense, like that was massive. That was huge. So on the developer experience side, can you talk about the dev toolbar? What is it? Why is it awesome? Yeah, the dev toolbar used to be called the dev overlay. So sorry if I messed that up. That's because Aster 3 and 4 has a little difference there. The dev toolbar is actually a toolbar which showcases in your, if you run your dev commands, so pnpm dev or npm run dev, whatever, then we show you a, a dev toolbar, which has, I think, two built-in apps. We call them apps, but they're basically like built-in plugins or you can imagine something. And they are called audit and Inspect will show you what islands that you're using and what file path they are, where they are located, if they are lightweight, if they are static HTML, exactly, or if they're interactive components. And so you can hover over them and then it will show this the file path, will show you the client directive, and you can just click on them and it will open automatically in your VS, in, in your VS code or your other IDE. And then you just can work on them and see your real-time changes. And then the second one that we have launched is Audit, which is basically a built-in accessibility checker. So it will check on your images. Do they have else attributes? Do they have misconfigured area attributes and that stuff? Now, the cool thing with the dev toolbar is that it's a fully exposed API. So you, as your as a developer working on another product, you can just build your own in-house or open source public own app and import that onto our store. And then you can just install it. For instance, we have Storyblock, which is our official CMS partner. They have built their own. So you can analyze your blocks and your CMS while you are still all in the browser. And exactly the same for Sentry, which is our monitoring partner. So you can use, I think they call it Spotlight. Uh, you can check all of that just without leaving your dev window ever. So I think it's a really easy way 
of working in your development environment and still getting all the benefits that you would have if you ran multiple audits on your production website. Being able to see the islands right there in my layout must be huge because that, in my experience, being a messy person can kind of get out of hand because I just I just want to throw islands everywhere. Especially when you're getting into it for the first time because you're not sure how to like group islands effectively and, until you do it a bunch of times. So that's huge. It must be great for learning. Yeah. The, the, th- the thing is that Astro, like it doesn't have a really high learning curve, but you can get really deep into not optimizing things as effectively as if they could be in Astro. And especially like you could use multiple UI frameworks all at the same time. For instance, you can use a React component here, a Vue component there, and a Svelte component there. Like, how do you keep track of all of that? For instance, if you're migrating an older SPA over to Astro, this will give you tools to check whether you can replay something with static HTML, whether you need still some library like Svelte, or maybe you can just compile it all down. So I think this is a game changer for basically migration projects, for real. That's awesome here. I'm excited to check out the dev toolbar yeah, having point and click things like in the, the layout are just so powerful because we're visual creatures. So can you tell me a little bit about the new view transition APIs? Because this has been slowly creeping its way into all different frameworks everywhere because they're just so fun to use. Maybe this is a hot take, but I wouldn't say slowly. The thing is that once we released it as being stable in Astro 3. Point, I don't know, whatever minor it was. People started going all for it. Svelte released it the week after. Nux released it as experimental a couple of weeks after. And that's good to see. Like We were really pushing the web. And it was really interesting. You can do so much cool things with, with the browser native view transitions API. And that's the whole cool part. It's browser native. Because your MPA can feel like an SPA. Like you're not loading any JavaScript, but still you have beautiful animations and morphing and sliding and fading elements all natively in the browser. It's really strong. What we did with Astro 4 was just bring more of all those goodies to you. For instance, you have persistent UI now. So for instance, if you want your whole page to move left and right from the history to like from one page to another, you could say that your UI toolbar or your, for instance, your sidebar will stay persistent and will keep its state. That's totally doable with all browser native APIs. This kind of sad part of the story is that it's not natively supported in all browsers yet. It is being worked on, but for now we are still working on Safari. And I think it's being shipped in the new nightly uh, releases of Firefox, but I'm not quite sure. But yeah, you can do really cool stuff with it. And now with Astro 4, we can even do better things like form handling. Uh, You can do so much cool things with it. Even now we are supporting natively prefetching. So when you hover over a link, which is an Astro site, it will prefetch that page. And then when you click on it, it will already have preload. So it's way, way faster. Your animations feel smoother and you really get an SPA-like behavior. And then I think one of the other things that we've added is a route announcer, which is good for accessibility, especially for people with visual problems so they can hear what route they're going to and also programmatically routing. So you have an, I think it's called navigate and then you can just call from your JavaScript navigate to that page. So if you want to build a game, for instance, that uses multiple pages to navigate, you can totally do that. 
And next to that, I think in Astro 3.6, we shipped a couple of lifecycle events happening in the view transition. So you can stop view transitions, you can advance them and all of that. Oh, oh nice. Okay. Because I, I know sometimes the API for like, how can you affect the previews and, and all this, sometimes they're not surface too. So it's great to hear that's being brought up and you can affect them. We've talked about quite a few new features here. We talked about migrating, internet, internalization. I'm going to stop trying to say that word. I, <laughs> <laughs> you say translations. About, yeah, translations. <laughs> we talked about a bunch of new features. I think one interesting take to observe is things that you guys chose not to entertain or maybe not to build because sometimes that helps draw the line about what this framework is meant to do and its strengths. So is there one or two things, issues that got brought up in the community that we kind of decided we're not going to do this now, or maybe we'll reconsider it later? Good question. Actually, I can't give you a direct answer, but what I can give you is, for instance, that we stopped maintaining a couple of things. For instance, Bun. We never supported Bun natively, but Bun does support us. But the problem is that we always get issues about people complaining that their Bun configuration is not working. Because still, Bun is not like 100% working backwards compatible with, with Node. But we are a Node thing, and same with Deno. So we moved those adapters back to their original creators. Basically, we moved our Deno adapter to the Deno organization, and they are now responsible for keeping that updated. And that's, that was a hard step to do and a big decision, but I think it works out great now. But like to say that there is something that we didn't work on, that we didn't choose, I can't give you a direct answer, actually. One thing that I can say is that we are a fully open source project. Actually, all of our features that we do build or might build in the future are all chosen by our users. So we have an, an RFC process, which has three stages, I think. And the first one is to just open a discussion on GitHub. And then we do just discuss about a feature. Do we want it or do we not? For instance, one that's open now that might be built in the future is incremental server rendering, which I know that Next.js does. And people wanted to see that in Astro. So people just open a discussion about it. It gets voted on. And if it gets a couple of votes and we can make the time for it to build it in the future, it gets advanced to the next stage. Then we build it into a full RFC with an example API and we build it really like well-structured. And then we start building on that feature. So if you are an Astro user and you're hearing this uh, podcast, then be sure to check out our roadmap. It's just a GitHub repo and you can give comments there, discuss there, leave your thoughts there. And it's the best way for us to make Astro better because it's the features that you probably will like to use. That was going to be my next question, Ilian, is what are people raising? What are they submitting issues for now or RFCs about what's like on the docket for the next one? In incremental server rendering is huge because yeah, other frameworks are embracing that. So it's great to hear Astro's looking at it. Yeah, exactly. That that was actually the only thing that I could come up with. Probably I, I could come up with them in a couple of seconds. I know there is, so you have incremental server rendering, you have a couple of features requested for the dev toolbar to ship natively or of course, there is still some view transition work to be done. So the first one, the most voted on is exactly like what I thought. It's ISR, incremental server rendering. We have, for instance, custom header support in Markdown. So you get a better Markdown experience. So you can set random things. It's other frameworks. There is inline scripting, a new reroute API. There is also a thing that some people want CSRF protection. So which is... 
I it's basically a thing that I always associate with PHP development where you do native forms and the form handler has a CRF protection code. Basically that. And there is a couple of more. But yeah, you can check it out for yourself on our open roadmap. Awesome. Yeah, that's one thing that's always been great about Astro is a lot of frameworks are open and they, and they have the, the spaces for things to discuss. But Astro, it, it, it's personable. It's a very like friendly community. Yeah, and we really take the open source as being open source. Our full governance model is open source. There are a couple of like open source projects out there that are not really open source. The decisions get taken within the team, uh, whereas we try to make all decisions collectively as Astro users. Like we all want Astro to be better. Like, how do we do that? And then we try to engage our whole community into making those decisions. Speaking of community, if people wanted to join the Discord, if they're not in there already, can they just go to Google Astro, hop on the website, and it's right there? It's called the Astro Lounge. You probably can find it in Discord itself. But we also have a couple of links on the website. But if you wanted to go to it directly, it's astro.build slash chat, and that will take you to our Discord. And Ilian, if people wanted to hear about you, and your updates in the Astro team and in the community. Are you posting on Twitter, Mastodon, any of these places that we can point people towards? I'm posting on Mastodon. I'm posting on X slash Twitter. I'm posting on Blue Sky. I try to be on as many places as I can be because I want to reach as much people as possible. But if people don't have anything like that, they can still follow me on my website, which is www.alien.codes. There I publish some things and you can probably find me on all of the other platforms as well. Yeah. And that's Ilian with an E at the beginning. That's, yeah, exactly. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. And what is the, do you have the same handle for your Twitter and Mastodon? Yes, everything uh, is the same handle. I really was <laughs> very strict on that. Yeah, it's Ilian Codes. Yes. Ilian Codes. Awesome. Ilian, thank you so much for your time coming on. I had a great time learning about Astro 4 and the new goodies coming out, particularly that dev toolbar. It seems really powerful. It is. Yeah. And I think that it will even be better with uh, people starting to build their own apps on it. Yeah. Like people can just add integrations you're hoping mm -hmm. for. The, that's awesome. That's going to be exciting to see. But yeah. Thank you so much for your time and look forward to having you on in the future again so we could talk about Astro 5. Who? Maybe. Probably it will be Astro Studio, but we can't say too much about Astro Studio. Ooh. Okay. <laughs> thank you again, Ilian. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. No, 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 no.